Turning your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 59. It's, it's cool how when you go on a trip like this, how all these sermon illustration thoughts, life application comes into your mind. And so last time that I went to Thailand was almost exactly three years ago. And uh, on our Facebook time hop, three years ago, exactly why we were there, uh, it was showing pictures of what happened three years ago while we were there. And it was really cool to see kind of the flashback. So I went through the entire trip, and on my last day, we flew down to, or drove down to Phuket, which is the big city, and there I was going to do all of our shopping to surprise the kids and things of, you know, I'd bring the kids back something, and going through there, there wasn't a lot to choose from, because the fact is, I knew my kids wouldn't be excited about the handcrafted purses, or the little Buddha dowels, and all the other stuff that they, you know, they, they sell all the things that are going on. So I was really trying to get creative. What could I bring home to my boys that would excite them? And I'm going through this market, and they have, they have um, phonies and fakes of everything. Whatever you want uh, overseas, they, they make fakes and phonies of it. So this was the gift that I brought back to my kids. Now, uh, a lot of the teens in them will identify with this. This is Beats head uh, uh, studio style headphones that I bought for my kids. Now, I'm going to blow some of the other people away that are not familiar with this. This set of headphones that you wear on your head costs around $300 in the States. Headphones, $300 in the States. Just so you guys know, these parents have spent like $150 on their kids' tennis shoes or, you know, $85 on their pair of jeans. Not me, okay? It's Walmart and thrift stores. That's, that's how I am. So $300 for headphones is out of the question. So I'm going through there, and I see them, and I thought, oh, I'd never been afforded it. And, of course, they pull you in. If you walk past and you don't stop, they pull you right back in. And I go back over there. And the lady was like, oh, uh, you know, I can't remember what they started off, but I can tell you the deal that I walked away with in American money was about 35 bucks. All right, $35 for authentic, real, the real deal. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this package and I'm thinking, this is legit. I, I, I mean, and I'm telling you, I'm opening this thing up and I'm like, it's got the logos, it's got the graphics. I mean, every bit of this was exactly what you would find in the States. I mean, even the way that they have the pamphlets and all this stuff. So I was, I was all excited the fact that I am going to hook my kids up with Beats, headphones, $300 things. So I get them home, open it up, have them close their eyes, pull out the box, and they're like, oh my goodness, Dad, how did you afford this? You know, all this. And they gave it to them, and, and later I'm asking Logan. I said, Logan, what do you think of those uh, uh, Beats headphones? And she said, he said, Dad, they feel so good. I was like, oh, well, how do they sound? He says, the one ear is amazing. <laughs> and I said, uh, the one ear, it sounds amazing. I said, what's the other ear? He goes, oh, the other ear doesn't work. But he said, I got used to just hearing the one side. And I am like, stink. It's not like I could just bring it back and say, you lied to me, you know, just... I got scammed. I got scammed in, uh, by a street vendor on the back alley in Thailand. You, you would think a fine establishment like that would be honest and upright, uh, but they were not. So I'm on my second trip. I'm in the Philippines, 2016, three years later. And I am going through this store, this market. I go past, and I'm trying to find something for the boys again. And there it is, the same box 
behind a counter and all that. I'm like, you're not getting me again. You know, I was like, no, sir, you come here, come, come here. And so I go over there and I, I, I look at it. I said, listen, I did this last time. I bought these, got all the way back. I know it was only $35, but I got scammed. It was a ripoff. It was all this. And she said, sir, come here. And she pulls these out. She opens them up and she says, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to convince you, whatever. Of course, I'm trying to do the accent. I can't do the Filipino accent. They speak English, but it's not, you know, like what we said. So she pulls it out. And she cranks up Justin Bieber, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not a Bieber fan, but uh, I, I mean, and all of a sudden, she just slips this over my ears, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I mean, the, the bass, the treble, the, I mean, the sound, and it just, it's noise cancellation, and I'm like, I, I, once again, I probably look like the dumb tourist, and I'm like, yelling, like, this is awesome, <laughs> and I can't hear it. You know, I'm standing in there and I'm going around and I'm talking to our missionaries that are with. I said, I've never heard anything so cool. This sounds so amazing. This sounds so awesome. And I pulled them off and I said, how do, how do I know that this is real? How I'm not getting scammed again? And she said, did you hear it? She said, it's real because you know that the workings of this. And, uh, and then she explained to me over here, what they do is they get overruns of what they order in America. We'll get these big shipments in. She said, I can't tell you that it's authentic, but I'm telling you. And she pulls out all the things and says, you see, these are real there. And this is the signature and these here and all this other stuff. And so I was like, I bought it. And then I bought two. I bought, I bought three. Okay, I bought three. And, uh, and then I got some other stuff and I just loaded up because it was such a good deal. And I listened to them all the way home, the kids, everything, and it's been legit. I learned a valuable lesson. And, and I know, once again, you're thinking, lessons from Thailand. Yes, lessons from Thailand. Work with me here. Um, I, I, the Lord's been working on my heart with this because I really had a couple of direction of, of what to speak on. It was cool because I changed direction and I'm studying and within the study, God pulled in the other thing that I had. And I want to share this with you guys tonight. I want to speak on being authentic. I want to preach on being authentic. Because I can tell you there are a lot of people that go to church that are more like the first set of headphones that I bought in Thailand than you are the second set of uh, uh, headphones that I bought in the Philippines. You've got the look. You've got the outward appearance and all those things. But inwardly, you don't have it. Something's missing. It doesn't operate. It doesn't click. It doesn't perform. It doesn't come out. It's different. And so I have some questions and some thoughts that I want to pull out. I would love to ask Judas. And I want to use Judas. And a lot of times when we think of Judas, the first thing we think of is being a fake of somebody that's not even saved. And I, and I believe that. If you want to ask me and get into another Bible study, I'd be glad to do that. I don't believe Judas was saved And I believe that there's a lot of scripture that points to that. He was a son of perdition, the son of loss, the son of waste. He he was never there. Uh, The Bible talks about how he never had those. It's not that Judas slipped away. And so um, another study for another time. But I would ask Judas, did you know you were a fake? I would ask him, did you convince yourself? How were you able to perform on that level? Outwardly, how were you able to show this? How were you able to demonstrate all these things? How did you, how did you trick 11 other men that walked next to you? And yet at the end when it came out, you were so different. How did you do that? I, I would ask him if he was confused. 
Was it a spiritual battle? Was it outright rebellion? Did you really despise Jesus? Did it hurt you when you betrayed him? What did you think about it when, when you kissed him in the cheek? I would want to know because I, I wouldn't just write Judas off as saying that he was just this evil person because I think if he was this evil person, it would have showed up to the other people. I think, and I've, I've mentioned this before, when Jesus said, one of you tonight will betray me. I, I think if he was that evil person, all the other ones around there would be like, you know, you know pointing at Judas. But that what the first thing they all said was, Lord, was it I? Was it I? So I don't, I don't want to talk about this guy just in the respect of his loss. I want to just pull out some principles of us being fake. Of us not being authentic. And, and I'm not saying everybody here is lost. So if this applies to you tonight, you want to come down to the altar and get saved because you're this big fake in church. But I think, like Judas, that we often can play the part of Christian and not have the substance to us at all. Cheat ourselves. Miss out on the joy of the Lord. There are some things that we can learn from Judas. So John 6, 64. I'm going to pull out a lot of verses. Actually, most of the verses that we read about Judas are things that are pulled out specifically to his testimony, his life. And uh, in John 6, 64, it's probably one of the biggest passages that we can get the grip of, of Judas's life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should be betray, who would, sorry, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back to walk no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Judas included in them, that did not turn away, that did not run the other direction just because he put the pressure on them or called them out. Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice how it says we believe this. The group, us guys, we've been over here talking. I, I, we, we're, we're here for the long run. We're here to go to the end. We believe everything that you say. We believe that you have the words of eternal life. Man, this isn't some just shallow guy that shows up every now and then for church. This is deacon, teacher, follower, trustee, hardcore, in it for the long run type of guy. And Jesus answered, answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. Lord, as we study this, I pray, Lord, that you'll, you'll reach into Christians, especially. And Lord, just help us to evaluate our lives, Lord, if we're living the characteristics of Judas. Lord, of, of being so obvious on the outside that we're a follower. And Lord, even being able to say our, the words and quote the verses and go to the places and do all the things. But Lord, I, I believe my heart breaks so much because of those that are Christians and they are so empty and so shallow and searching for something more. They're not fulfilled. They're not happy. They know you as their Savior. But Lord, they sure are not living the authentic Christian life. I pray, Lord, that you'll expose it because I know that's what you do. And Lord, knowing that maybe even tonight you lay this upon my heart to share with our church family for that purpose alone. We pray this in your name. Amen. So one of you is the devil.
Peter answered and said, Lord, there's nowhere else to be. Lord, we found you, and I I don't want anything else. We know that you have the words of eternal life. This is the real thing, Lord. This is what we want. You know, it's just the same thing in church. I mean, so many people, they're dedicated, they're faithful, and they're there. And I I want to show this because, number one, the first thing that we can learn from Judas or the life of Judas, you can fool the flock. You can do it. And if you think, well, if I was a fake, then people would call me out and know it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can. Judas is evident. Judas is a story in the Bible to say, hey, you can be a phony. You can walk in and walk out for three years of what he had. Walk among them, serve, go, travel, sleep, eat, walk, talk, fellowship, whatever, and be a complete fake. And nobody know it. And I think maybe even that gave him his false feeling of, of maybe I'm okay um, in, in movies, Judas is also often the, the guy. And I know they're trying to portray and, and lift up his character by putting him in the cloak over in the corner. But he was not with his, the dark clothing over lurking in the corner. That's not who he was. He was a leader. He was a preacher. He was an evangelist, a minister, an example. He was a sold-out Christian. One of the best of the best of the best. A follower of Jesus Christ at the right, right hand of Jesus Christ as, as they went out. And he fooled everyone. And I just realized that, number one, he had the routine down. I mean, when they went to arrest Jesus, they found him in the garden. Jesus led them there. And you, you're not going to be able to keep up with all these verses. But I want to just jump around in the Gospels. And I want to throw things out you about Judas. When they came to him and said, let's go arrest Jesus and, and find him out. In John 18, 2, and Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. Now listen to this. He knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. You know what he was saying? You can imagine all of them gathered together. And them talking about how are we going to do this? We don't know where he goes. We don't know what he does. We don't know this religious fanatic of where, where he follows and what he does. You know, when they go to pray and all these things. And Judas says, I do. Hey guys, I know where he goes to pray. I know the rock that he kneels at. I know when he goes I know where he drops his disciples off. I, I know what he prays. I know how he prays. Guys, I've got this. Follow me. I'll show you where, where it's at. Phony the whole time. Do you guys know where to go to worship? Do you know, do you know where, if I, if I was to say, turning your Bibles to Leviticus, go right to it? Even to the point where if I was to say, Give me the Romans road, or can you lead this person to Christ? Yeah, I, I, I have it all right here. I know it. I'm just saying he's evident that you can have a head knowledge. You can have the verbiage. You can have the look. You can have the title. You can have all of it and still be far from God. And I'm going to put it in two ways. Either far from God because you are lost, or far from God because you have gotten away from God or carnal. Or maybe like I was talking this morning about people that have been saved for 20, 30 years. And you just get into that coasting mode. Where there's, there's no love or, or, or drive. And it, I ask you, when's the last time you shed a tear? When's the last time the Spirit of God stirred your heart? When's the last time you were convicted to give more or do more? Or, 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 or talk to somebody or go out of your comfort zone? you were to search your heart, when's the last time you felt the Spirit of God just prick your heart? Just some people, I think, if you were to put, 
you know, one of those heart monitors on there and just be this straight line. Just, you know, maybe this faint bleep and just something missing in it. I I don't want to be that guy, especially if I know that I'm saved, but I just got to where I've been saved now. Guys, I, I got saved when I was around 18 years old. 18. And after a while, I'm, I'm, I'm close to being 40. And after a while, I'll tell you what, I, I've gone it through this. And you guys have too, so don't look at me funny. Where I can pray a prayer and get done and not remember what I prayed. Because I've done it so many times. Especially when it comes to like praying for a meal or something. Lord, we thank you for this food. And, and Lord, thank you for the, da, 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 all this. Stuff. Let's eat. And the whole time I'm thinking about who's going to get the first you know, steak or who's going to grab the first hamburger. My mind was not on, hey, let's bow and talk to God. And we do the same thing when it comes to going to church and stand up and sing. And we can be singing the words and, and some people even get critical because the guy over there starts crying and lifting up their hands and getting emotional and stirred. You know why? Because it's real to them. Jesus, Son of God, that died and rose again, and they're thinking, man, two weeks ago I was going to hell, and today I'm not. But you're standing there thinking, I've heard this song a thousand times, I could sing it backwards and forwards. Maybe, maybe you should grab the, a song and read the words and not even sing next time. And realize that you're singing about a God that took on flesh and died on a cross and took every one of your filthy, dirty, rotten sins with him. And he died with it. And if that doesn't stir your heart, maybe you need to revisit that. Judas went and drugged them right to the very place. Right to the very place that he saw Jesus cry out for the lost humankind that was going to hell. Guys, I know where to go. Let's do it. I've got this down. From the life of Judas, I can tell you that you can fool the flock From the life of Judas, I've also learned that you cannot fake being fulfilled. Once I got into his story even more, I realized that you can put on the greatest front, but that does not fix your heart. When you read it in the passages and different things that was going on, I I wonder if Judas was happy. I wonder if he was like, you know, even people that can be in church and be like, how many of you are glad to be here? And everybody says amen. And you said amen just because everybody else said amen. You know, it's like we, we sing the songs and you're going through the words. But, but I mean, is it because you're consciously aware of, man, I'm excited. Man, I'm in church and I'm with my brother and sister. And hey, they've been missing. They're here. What a blessing. And oh, we've got a baptism today. And two people got saved. And that little girl was saved two weeks ago. Not even in the service, after the service, because she was under conviction. That is exciting That's real. But I wonder if Judas, as Jesus was raising the dead, I wonder as as Judas was watching Lazarus come out of the tomb, if he was just like, hey, when's this going to be done? Man, I bet you he's going to preach a long message today. Man, I was, you know, just numb, bored, out of tune, out of touch. Jesus confronted other people that were like this in the Pharisees and he called them whited sepulchers. Tombs, dressed up on the outside, painted on the outside and full of dead man's bones. And if you can come to church 
You can stand and sing about the blood of Jesus Christ, redemption, salvation, and whatever it is, and be bored with it. Maybe there's something dead inside. Maybe you've got the look, and all the wires aren't connecting on the inside. You, you don't have it all happening. Something's wrong internally. Either a, an extreme level of apathy, or maybe you're stagnant, because I can tell you in Revelation... When he confronted the church and he said that you're neither cold nor hot. And I know that that was just talking about the church. The church is the called out body of believers. So I know it was believers. But they were stagnant. I've spoken on that stuff before many times. About being stagnant. Maybe it's there. Or maybe, and I'm going to tell you now. To confront yourself. That maybe even in a church and maybe even people that have been saved or or, or, thinking they're saved for a long time can live the life and not have the assurance and not have the satisfaction in their hearts. I've told you guys many times I was saved at 18, but I was in church my whole life. You know why? Because I became a spiritual robot to know what to say. My wife was saved at 24 when she was on staff here at the church because she knew what to say and what to do, but she had nothing inside. Whited sepulchers. I'm going to tell you guys right now, and I know you're all going to agree with this right now. I am a weirdo. I am weird. I am so weird. I get, I get crazy excited over vacation Bible school. I do. I can see the pictures on my phone and see that. And, and just walking out here, I am not kidding. It's better than Disney World. It's, it's, it's better than Millennium Force at, at Cedar Point. It's better than Starbucks Venti Ice Americano with white mocha and cream. It's better. It, it, to walk out and see children fill this place. To walk out and see children stand and sing to God. And have preachers stand on a stage and give them truth. Stirs my heart like crazy. And I'm not just saying that as a bunch of preacher talk. I am saying it excites me. I love it. Because I know that out there they'll never get it. And in here I get five days in a row to give them truth. And that excites me. It excites me to go on a trip. And Josh, if you have this picture. This, this picture was one of the most exciting pictures. It was on our last day of being with the kids. And this time they didn't just do praise and worship in the morning. They had a devotion in the morning. And I walk over to the table and there is the lady that's going to teach her story. And it was just the same way as one of the stories that we're going to do there. And if, if the, story, uh, the picture was closer, she is holding up before a group of Burmese kids that do nothing or heard nothing in their life but a man named Buddha, a God named Buddha. That is nothing more than a big chunk of metal steel or gold or whatever they make him out of at the time who has never answered a prayer who has never healed a soul who has never given them life who has never changed or provided for them at all and that room was filled with 220 kids and she stood there holding a picture of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and this Burmese lady stood up there literally like preaching to these kids, going through these things. And these kids are listening to every single word. That excites me. That stirs me up more than anything. I, I, I want to show you another picture and show you what it's like to stand on the edge 
and being in this room where kids that once worshipped Buddha are now worshipping and praying to God. And I am telling you, when they get done and they have the kids pray and they go into their prayer, I'm thinking, I'm recording and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, these kids pray and they pray and they pray and they're crying out to God. And I'm talking about little bitty kids that sit on that floor for 45 straight minutes doing this. It's not normal. Only the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that I get excited about this because I'm a pastor or whatever. Something is inside of me that makes me get excited about that. That stirs me up. That makes me thankful. You see these kids, and they, the next picture, they, they're raising their hands and getting all excited, and they start asking them questions, and how many of you know Jesus, and how many of you know that the Jesus died on the cross, and they begin going through these. Let me, let me tell you, I'm going to try and embarrass anybody with this, but Jordan, forgive me. Let me show you this. this is, I, I sat on a, a chair, and we washed these kids' feet, and, and Jordan wasn't excited about doing it, and uh, I understood that. And um, I was bent over for, man, I can't remember how long doing that. And we had piles. We, our group brought like 200 and some pairs of shoes, close to 300 pairs of shoes. And we washed every one of those little kids' feet. And then we put new shoes on their feet and gave them a hug or a high five. And then we sent them over. And uh, Jordan tapped me on the shoulder. and He says, Dad, why don't I take over for you? And he got down there and started doing that. I'm not trying to overlook anybody else that was on the trip. I'm just saying I'm a dad. And that's my son. And that's more rewarding than silver or gold or money or retirement or anything else on the face of the planet. I'm weird. Because that's not material and it's not money. It's not anything. But there's something of a joy. An authentic, real joy. That that gave me more satisfaction than if my wife called me up and she says we have a million dollars in the bank. Because I tell you, I know in my heart that the ministry and the service that we have of God and seeing it passed on to my kids is real and authentic. And God's stirring me up and giving me a joy and a fulfillment that cannot be faked. Let me give you the verse. In Nehemiah 8.10, which was the verse that I was planning on preaching tonight. And the end of that says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Meaning this, the happiness or fulfillment or true satisfaction of knowing the Lord is a driving force in my life that is stronger than drugs or alcohol or any material possession that you'll ever find. The joy of the things of God is my strength. I'm not saying this. Guys, if, if you're going to get up there and say, wow, he's really full of himself, Mr. Spirit. I'm not saying that. Let me put it like this. Is anything else that I said in here stirred any of you guys up? Do you know what I'm saying? It's not just me seeing kids praising God or whatever. When you have the Spirit of God inside of you and you know that God is working and God is changing and God is healing and helping and rescuing and all these, that excites us as Christians. There is a joy that cannot be faked. And you can be that person that walks to the altar and you can kneel down and you can say a prayer, but I'm telling you, salvation is not repeating a prayer. It's not saying words. It's not repeating after me. 
There is a conviction where God grips your heart, opens your eyes, and drives you to your knees that you are a lost sinner, doomed for hell without Jesus Christ. And I tell you, when God comes into your life, when it is God coming into your life, it changes you drastically. I read this verse in my devotions and I highlighted it and went back and I want to share it with you. 1 Peter 1.8 Whom having not seen ye love. That's not normal. I love a God that I've never been physically able to touch. Besides the creation and the goodness of him around me. And whom, though now you see him not, yet believing. I'm going to tell you guys right now, they could come in here and hold a gun to my head, and I promise you with all of my heart and soul, I know that there is a God, he lives, and if I die today, I'm going to heaven without any shadow of doubt in my mind whatsoever. And I know this is the same thing, he's talking about us. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory. I looked up the joy unspeakable. And it's not. And I thought at one point. It was just so full that you, you couldn't put it into words. You know what I'm saying? That's, and I mean that sounds good. It's like I, I'm so joyful that I don't even know how to put it into words. Which is a great explanation. But it's not fully what this means. Joy unspeakable is literally meaning that you don't even have the praise or have it coming out of lips. It's more than a song or a poem or a sermon. It's internal satisfaction it's a peace it's a joy it's a love it's being able to lay down at night and knowing if the world falls apart i'm still going to heaven knowing that god loves me regardless of how much i fail or mess up to have your heart full of this to give and love god to give and love missions there is a great inward authentic joy of giving to things that matter greater than having a new car Greater than a new TV. Let's look at a different perspective of this. And you know, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to Judas. In John 12, verse 3, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, and very costly, an ointment, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, you can guess which one, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Let me tell you guys, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth will speak. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And what happens is after a while, no matter what you do to have the fake image and things, the true you is going to come out. And he's standing there watching somebody authentically worship to the point where he, she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears that is not fake, that's authentic, that's real. And here the guy that was filled with knowledge is standing off to the side going, that is a waste. We should not be doing that. Critical. He missed it. Jesus, of course, rebuked him and saying that you, you have the poor with you always, but you don't have me with you always. When things are not right in your heart, then the joy of giving or the joy of serving or the joy of self-sacrifice will not be there. There's something real that comes into your life. Judas was critical. He missed it. When you are not fulfilled in your heart, your flesh will seek fulfillment. Because something's missing. 
if you can come to church and read your Bible and worship and walk away and there's nothing that fills or changes or rejoicing. And I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, I know that we go through phases. Not every single Sunday was, woohoo, you know. I, I have Sundays even as the pastor where I come in and I'm just down. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? It's not, not that things are wrong or whatever. I'm just not into it. And I have some Sundays that I'm bouncing off the walls and I'm excited. It's different. I know that there's seasons of life and there's times that we're tired and there's emotional struggles in life and those things. I know that. But I'm going to tell you right now that if you can walk in day in and day out and there's nothing real or stirring or, or, or exciting that ever can touch your heart from scripture, worship, or fellowship, something's wrong. You see, in Matthew 26, verse 14, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest. He went unto him and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. From that time he sought opportunity to betray him. You, you see what happened is, because he did not have, he was a fake and a phony. You can't fake that internally. You can fake it outwardly. You can wear the suit and tie and sing in the choir and walk in the hallways and have the lingo and, 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 and drive with the bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus. But I tell you, internally, you cannot fake it. You'll know you're dead. You'll know that something is missing and empty. And at that point right there, it began to come out. And he was saying, you know what? This isn't really satisfying me. I'd rather have drugs or I'd rather have sex or I'd rather have this or I'd rather church isn't that for me. And all of a sudden, that fakeness wore off and he wanted something different or more. And I'm telling you, if your flesh is constantly seeking other things because it's not getting satisfied in church or not fulfilled, something is wrong internally because that's not right. It's not how it was designed to be by God. Something was wrong. What we learn from Judas is you can fool the flock you cannot fake being fulfilled. But let me show you the last thing that we can definitely learn from Judas. That Jesus is exposing the fraud. God, God won't tolerate it. Number one, if you are a child of God, and you're going through the motions, and you're dead in your worship, and you're dead in your serving, and you're dead in your parenting and everything like that, because you are a child of God, God will call you out on it. Because God's not going to let you go around slandering his name and being that phony and fake. You know what? God is a righteous God. God is real. God is truth. The devil is a lie. God is the opposite of the devil. So if you are living that facade and you are pretending to be something you're not, God will point it out to say that is a fake and you're not going to be a fake and represent my name. So here we've got Jesus exposing in Matthew 26 verse 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. As he sat in the table in the Lord's Supper, Jesus explained that one of them would betray him. You may think, wow, that was great timing. No, it wasn't great timing. Before Judas walked out to do there, Jesus called him out and said, I know what you're going to do. It's a grateful thing to know that God knows our hearts enough, and it's even better to know that he's willing to call you out on it. Don't push God away when you're sitting at the table of his grace and God calls you out and says, I know your heart. Where would I be today if it wasn't for that Friday night in Resaca, Georgia, when an evangelist kid was standing up there 
Phil Kidd was preaching. And he preached, and I got under conviction, and God called me out. He called me out on being a fake. He called me out on knowing that I didn't have it internally. He called me out knowing that I didn't have joy. God loved me enough to call me out. He did that to Jenny when we were at youth conference, the same youth conference that we're going to, but years ago. You know what message was preached, and maybe that's why God put it on my heart, was a message about Judas. And on the way out, as we're leaving a theme park that we rented this pavilion to preach to like 2,000 teenagers in this Six Flags in Georgia. Jenny sits down on this curve, grabs me, and she says, I am lost. I about died. I said, what? What are you saying? She said, Tony, I've never been under so much conviction in my life to hear that message. If nobody responded, in the, 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 it was an outdoor pavilion, it got rained out. She said, if God was not speaking to anybody but me, God called me out today. You realize it wasn't just a coincidence. It was God saying, I know your hearts. I know how you sit there and fake it. I know that you don't have joy when you sing. I know that you never get stirred when people are saved. I know you're critical As other people worship me and other people praise me, I know it. But when God loves us that much that God is willing to call us out on, and that is the grace and grace of God alone. And how dare we resist it? Because the difference is where we can pull off of Judas and go on to you is the fact that Judas stood up and said, I'd rather have what the world has. But let me tell you the rest of the story. He got his 30 pieces of silver. And you know what's crazy about that is God calls him out again. He meets him in the garden and he said, where did you come from? Meaning, where have you been? Meaning, I know what you did. I know why you're here. God was still calling him out saying, I know what you're doing. That is the grace of God. And yet Judas took that 30 pieces of silver After he realized this didn't make me happy either. And he goes back to return it. They would not return it. Of course, he casts it down and he goes out and kills himself. You know why? There is no joy. There is no peace. There is no happiness. There is no satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. God called him out to to say, you're not happy. Come back to me and reject it. And he still never found happiness. Even with what he got from the world. So yeah, on a Sunday night, I'm preaching about Judas. On a Sunday night, I'm, I'm looking across a lot of people that look it, have it, say it, speak it, know it. But I can tell you, there's a lot of people that are in one of two spots. Either that apathetic Christian that is absolutely dead in their hearts, that you are stagnant, you are still, you are empty, and God is calling you out through a simple message on a Sunday night. Or it's the other. And that is simply that you have played a game with God. Because you grew up in church. You grew up around it so much. That you've become a robot. A parrot to repeat phrases. Say verses. Talk the lingo. You're like Judas. You know where to go. Where to kneel. What to say. And when to go. You've got it all worked out. But let me tell you. Your end will be the same end as Judas. 
Because you will never find anything out. You can run out and say, I want to live it up or I don't want to be trapped in this world or whatever. You will never find anything outside of Jesus Christ that will satisfy. Because the other 11 went and gave their life for Christ, died because they found something worth dying for. And Judas died in vain. By himself, hung himself with a bunch of dirty, filthy lucre that he tried to satisfy himself with. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I know who I'm talking to. Most of you, I could call your names out. Most of you serve. Most of you have been in church as long as you can remember. So I'm going to ask you really point blank. Do you get stirred up about the things of God? Do you have, have you lost that passion? Have you? Is it just that church is just something you do? And you, you're here tonight because it was six o'clock on Sunday night and that's what you know to do at six o'clock on Sunday night? And if you've gotten to that point, maybe God used this tonight to call you out and say, stop being fake. Stop being a phony. Stop going through the motions. 